Welcome to the Now Leading Podcast, hosted by the Northwest District LCMS. We bring a Lutheran point of view to conversations on the art of leading as a follower of Jesus, through valleys, over peaks, and on the waves, following his lead in the great Northwest. Hey there, welcome to the Now Leading Podcast. I'm Dust Kunkel. I'm really glad you're here with us. We've got another great episode for you. This one, again, thanks to the Now Start Network. That's a groundswell of leaders across the Northwest who are all focused on starting new. This particular conversation is hosted by Pastor Mike Von Baron, and he interviews Pastor John Mao, who is part of the leadership helping two congregations merge into a new congregation. It's a great, great conversation focused on adaptive change. And you know what? I'd like you to think about adaptive change and technical change as you listen to this conversation. Technical change is a bit like, um, you know, continuing to work on the engine of the car that I have and, you know, change the oil and, and, you know, take care of maintenance and change the tires when they need changing and so forth. That's, That's technical change. Adaptive change on a car would be changing the engine and instead of having a gas-powered engine having uh, an engine that's powered by batteries or by solar power and you know if you drive a Prius then you know exactly what I'm talking about when the first Prius came out a lot of people weren't sure what the heck that was that was adaptive change in a car even greater adaptive change might be going completely from driving cars to you know flying or something which maybe our grandkids will be faced with someday who knows All I know is we're faced with a variety of adaptive changes in our lives. And as leaders, we can help one another face those adaptive changes or we can put obstacles in the way. I would ask that you consider adaptive change as you listen to this great conversation between Pastor Mike and Pastor John. And consider for yourself how you might participate in adaptive change in the neck of the woods where you live with the people that you serve. Here you go. Enjoy. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time to gather in your name. We gather because of your mission to bring your gospel to people throughout the world. We're in a small corner of the world. We're in a corner of the United States that we like to call the Pacific Northwest. And it's a great place to do ministry. There are lots of people who haven't yet heard about you, Jesus. And we're, we're all invested in, in some way in that ministry. But Lord, there's always new ways that we can engage in ministry. There's new starts. There's new ideas for starting so that we can reach new people with the gospel. We're going to be talking about that today uh, with our guest, John Mao, uh, pastor of Christ the King Lutheran Church and now also Pilgrim Lutheran Church and, and soon to be a new church admission in the Bellevue area. So we pray that you bless our conversations as we talk about the merging of these two ministries and what that means for the future of service of your kingdom. Uh, Lord, thank you for all who are on the call who've taken the time out of their Saturday to be a part of it. We pray that your spirit would be here in our conversations, that you would continue to foster your ministry through this, that we would all gain new ideas, new insights for the way we can be involved in the mission on behalf of your name. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Great. We're, I'm going to introduce you just briefly to uh, Pastor John Mount. Uh, John's been at Christ the King in Bellevue, Washington for the last 15 years. Before that came from prison ministry in Michigan, 
for about six years. And before that, his first call out of seminary was to the Salt Lake City area, where he served as pastor of a congregation. It's been a blessing to have him in the Northwest District. Uh, John and I have known each other for a number of years um, because he served, um, he served as a circuit visitor for a while. Is that right, John? Yeah, are you still doing that now? No, we passed it on to uh, Kirk Colby. Kirk Colby, that's right. Okay. So I got to know you through the circuit, as a circuit visitor over there, and it's uh, been great to have you in leadership in the Northwest District. And it's been neat to have you leading this process for these two congregations, which started with a spark and a vision a number of years ago. Uh, John has a wife named Robin, and uh, one of his favorite pastimes is riding his motorcycle around the country. So uh, before we even get into the questions about ministry, uh, tell us briefly about that. Tell us about your motorcycle and where you and your wife are planning on heading in September. Sure, yeah. Uh, you can see a little bit behind me. Did some remodeling of the house, and my reward was to go out and get a motorcycle. So my wife basically gave me kind of a blank check. I went to the nearest Indian dealer and picked up an Indian motorcycle and uh, one that we could ride together, a touring bike. And we've been to uh, Glacier National Park a couple years ago. This summer, we're planning a, a trip up to the San Juans to do some camping together. So something we enjoy doing together. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. That, that just sounds like a beautiful trip. Just yeah. riding on a motorcycle through the San Juans. A great time of the year in September. Mm -hmm. Let's uh, just turn our attention to ministry for a second. You've been at Grace the King for 15 years. Uh, tell us a little background on that ministry. What was the congregation like when you came? What changes have you seen in the ministry over the last 15 years? How has the community changed? Yeah, and I'm guessing what was at Christ the King is probably pretty typical not a large congregation, but then again, not a small congregation either. Uh, we've worshipped just a little over 100, if you're going to look over a, an average over the 15 years here. Uh, when we got here, there were a lot of kids, a robust Sunday school department. And over 15 years, we've kind of cycled through those kids. And uh, the, the signs of decline were evident a number of years ago. So that's what we've been facing, I'd say, the last five or a little longer years here. And the people of the congregation have seen it too. It's, you can't deny it. I'm glad that there's recognition there too. So does that mean the congregation's aging as well or just declining in, in numbers of people? It's been, um, if you want to say nutrition through deaths, we haven't had a lot of people moving into the area there was a bit of a surge, I guess, where we've got some people from the, the ELCA, but not a lot of people who've moved to the area who've associated themselves with the church. So it's been pretty static and then, then moving into decline. Were there any bridges into the community, uh, ministries that were connecting with people? Do you have it? Yeah. Um, I would say when I got here, I noticed that they had a real robust human care ministry. At one point, well, in fact, we've been doing it for 25 years. Uh, the Bellevue area houses homeless guys and moves them from church to church. So for 25 years, uh, Christ the King has housed in our facility about 20 to 30 guys for the entire month of June, fed them and, you know, and ministered to them. And then they would move on to another church the next month. So 
that was one of the, the big efforts of the congregation. A lot of food collection, a lot of uh, interacting with human care agencies in the local area here. Um, and that's been their primary focus since I've gotten there. And those things are just great ways of caring for the community. They don't necessarily build your own membership, but they're just extension of Christ's love and care for others. And have yeah. they continued to do that or is that, has that been hard to maintain? Uh, it's getting harder uh, as people get older, their ability to support things like that diminishes. Uh, uh, it's a big effort housing 30 guys in your church, feeding them and everything. And so it, it's, it's ended up falling on fewer shoulders to, to carry that load here. And, and that's created, you know, some concern too about our future, how sustainable are things. Yeah. So as your congregation started to think about sustainability and the future of its mission, that launched you a few years ago into something you're involved in now. And that's the partnering of two long established congregations together, Pilgrim Lutheran, Christ the King Lutheran, into one new ministry. Uh, where did that idea come from? What was the initial spark for that vision? Yeah, I would say one of my observations when I got out here is uh, noticing how fast the area was growing. The, the Seattle, Bellevue area, Tacoma, just by leaps and bounds. And I think that the numbers say that within the next 20, 30 years, uh, they're anticipating adding another million people to the area here. Just lots and lots of people coming in with lots and lots of jobs. So that raised the question, what can we do about it with such a, a number of people coming in? And I also noticed that there hadn't been, at least in our circuit, any new mission starts. I, I think the, mo the youngest congregation in our circuit had been planted in the early 80s. So there had been decades since anything had really happened in, in trying to create a, a presence here, a new congregation. What was the start of Christ the King? How long ago was that? Yeah, yeah, good question here. So Pilgrim, I believe, started in 1953, Christ the King in 1956. And the most recent congregation in our circuit was All Saints, which was closer up to the Microsoft campus. And I believe that was in the, the 80s at some point. Yeah, uh, so we just saw a lot of opportunity and particularly where, where people were moving out, uh, where housing would be cheaper, there were no church starts there, nothing real close. Uh, drives with our traffic and everything to reach some of the existing congregations it would be an hour or more just in traffic trying to commute to a church to worship. Yeah, you had mentioned that traffic patterns changed too. They put in a, a new highway or something that, that blocked the visibility or access to Christ the King. Right, when they planted it, um, one of the main uh, traffic patterns was, I'd say just one house away, but then they built uh, the interstate I-90, which is, ooh, no more than a quarter mile away from the church. And it dramatically changed all traffic patterns. It basically cut us off. So when you had this vision for, well, a new start could reach new people and could actually be in a better position in the community to reach those new and growing areas of the community. Um, was this just something that came up of your prayer life or was it conversations with others in the congregation? How did that come about? It was an observation I made and then, um, as a circuit visitor, I went around and visited a number of churches and uh, 
as I was talking to the members of different churches, one of the questions that came up was, is why isn't the district planting new congregations? We see all these people moving in. Why isn't the district responding? And I told them, you know, the district hasn't been in the business of planting churches for many, many, many decades. And it seemed like that was a new revelation for them. And following up was like, they're not doing it. If it's going to be done, it, it really needs to be circuits and congregations that, that do that. And I think I, thought, I saw some wheels turning. They realized that, oh, the responsibility isn't on someone else, but it's, it's on them now. I appreciate the way you said that, that um, it, often we think that way. Well, why doesn't the district do this? Why doesn't so-and-so do this? And we're looking to a third party to do it without recognizing that, hey, we are the Northwest District. Uh, it, it's the congregations and the servants of the Northwest District that make up the district. We are the ones that are here to do this. So. Yeah. And uh, so putting them together, so I was seeing opportunities and they were seeing responsibility. And we kind of put those together. They saw that, uh, so you, you put some of my observations and they're taking responsibility. They also saw that uh, the leaders of Christ the King and Pilgrim, their congregations are declined. And if they're going to reach out and, and take advantage, seize the opportunity, there was gonna to have to be some measure of, of collaboration, some cooperation together, because none of the congregations by themselves were gonna be able to, to respond appropriately. Yeah, and what you decided to do in collaboration was to look at your churches joining, but not just uh, sharing a pastor, actually coming together. And again, not, not just assimilating one congregation into the other, but actually coming together to start a new congregation. How is that, why was that an important part of the conversation? How was that more helpful to the future mission than just assimilating, say, Pilgrim into Christ the King or Christ the King to Pilgrim? And how is that better than just having a dual parish where one pastor serves both? So we gathered a group of, of leaders from both congregations that were, were sold on the idea. There was a book put out, I forget who the author was, but uh, I believe the title is uh, Better Together or, or More Together. We went through that book and, and the leaders were sold on that idea. If we just shared a pastor, it might cut down on the expenses infrastructure, but we weren't in any better position in, in reaching out. It might just kind of keep us afloat for a little bit longer, uh, but still the focus would remain turned in, sustaining our own stuff rather than focusing outward again. And to do that outward focus, to, to have the resources, everything that we thought we needed, there had to be a combining together to do it. Uh, so the conversation started, and those conversations, oh, they started a long time ago, five well, how, years how long ago. ago. Five years? Five years ago. Five years ago. I love what you said there about uh, we can be something more and better together, because some might see this as, oh, here we're talking about two congregations that used to be two and are now just going to be one. That's really a reduction in ministry. I thought Now Start was about new starts. But what you're saying is that if you maintain two different congregations and try to keep both of those going, either with the same pastor or you assimilated one into the other, really you're just trying to extend the longevity of something that's already been. 
But what you're talking about is coming together, joining together to become something new because it has the opportunity for new growth that either of your current congregations don't have. Yeah, Michael, and uh, we're not far into this. We're certainly, you know, it's not something that's concluded. We're in the midst of it and trying to figure it out as we're going on. But there is, it's generating a lot of energy. And, and people are seeing uh, possibilities that weren't present again for a long time, maybe if, if ever for these congregations. So the lot of, we, we think it's an opportunity to do a lot of dreaming together. I love that opportunity to dream together. So you said you're in the process. Where in the process are you? Describe for us. You said the conversation started five years ago. And now where are you? And where do you see yourself going in the next year or so? Yeah. Again, five years it's taken. Uh, that might blow some people's minds here. I don't think it would have been helpful to try to rush the process. Uh, people just have to come to terms for it, to with it on their own you know, their own pace and things. And especially when the congregation's been around as long as these two have, it takes a while to come to terms with it. Uh, there's the feeling of, a great feeling of loss, uh, histories, traditions, and things like that. So you got to give people time to deal with that. The five years. Uh, the five years was also spent uh, doing a lot of listening and sharing, lot, lot of listening and giving everyone an opportunity to, to share their feelings and their thoughts about it. Uh, but then we reached a point where we had to put it in front of the congregation for a vote. And I got to tell you, Michael, I wasn't certain how that vote would turn out. Because, you know, all of us know that we've got vocal people in our congregations. And, and it seemed as if the ones who were the most vocal were the ones who were really struggling with the idea. Uh, so I wasn't sure how it would turn out, uh, but we figured we need to put it in front of the congregation. Either we move forward or we say, nope, this isn't the path God has, has chosen for us. We needed the vote. We did the vote and uh, Pastor Ranke there was uh, at his congregation. Both congregations did it the same day. We didn't want the vote to kind of influence, you know, stagger it so there could be some influencing. Let's see this and, night because it's going to die. Later on, we talked to each other, Pastor Ranke and myself. Um, it was the same percentage of membership who voted for it. Uh, at Christ the King, 89% voted for it. At Pilgrim, 89% voted for it. And that seemed to just uh, affirm us that what we've been doing so far was a good thing and the direction we were going was a good thing too. Yeah, that is great to have that strong a support for this. And, and certainly because you took the time um, to help people assimilate the idea, understand it, uh, grieve, begin to let go of the past and be ready to step into something new. Uh, yeah. If you don't mind, um, I'm gonna, I wanna ask, uh, since David Reinke is on the call, uh, when this conversation started years ago, there was a different pastor at Pilgrim, um, pastor, and, and that was who? Who was the pastor at Pilgrim before? Uh, John? Jim, Jim Rader was the Rader. pastor. Okay. And then David, you took over as uh, intentional interim during this time period. So how was the congregation of Pilgrim? Were they ready to receive this when you stepped in there? Oh, I don't think anybody's asked me that question. I would say not so much. 
I was a pastor at All Saints previously, and uh, Pastor Mao and leaders offered, uh, you know, conversations. And I was amazed at All Saints. I'm on a tangent, but I'm telling us something really important, which is you cannot believe how difficult it is to merge churches because deep down, nobody wants change. So I was a pastor at Pilgrim, but I had just come from All Saints where the leaders at All Saints essentially had a question. This is my perspective. The question was, would you like to have more members and more money? I mean, that was really the deal. And the leaders of All Saints said, mm, no. Excuse me? <laughs> That's crazy. And why? And these were good people. These are not stick in the mud people at all saints, but the, the, the uh, desire to not change is really tough. So Pastor Mao has greater perspective on all this than I do because he was around sooner. That I think a diff, your question was, were they ready for it? And uh, early on at Pilgrim, before we talked about this, I had to sort of bring reality to them about <clears throat> um, how many dollars they were receiving from really old members and how any pastor who wasn't really <laughs> oblivious would understand this is not a good call because, uh, you know, a new young pastor there five years is going to have a huge amount of decline. Uh, just because so many dollars are coming from people over 80 and 90. Yeah. But the leaders understood that point rather quickly. I, if I'm paying attention, I didn't have to tell them twice. They all got it. So that was helpful to the pilgrim leaders in understanding why they might want to talk to the Christ the King people. And the leaders of both churches were impressive and unusually so. Willing, open, educated. So, in my experience, that was an unusual set of leaders. Pastor Mao and I had trust between us because we've known each other for a long time. And just a small group of leaders met for a year ahead of time to, to get to know each other. Well, thanks. And I give a lot of credit to Pastor Mao because the difficulty factor all over the district is almost no church ever wants to merge ever. Yeah. So I'll give you a list of churches in the district that would be true of. Maybe yeah. we don't have time. Yeah. But as the district contingent, I have an attitude about this. Yeah. And the attitude is, oh my gosh, this is a hard thing. You have to be careful, go slow, take your time, and really celebrate the unusual climate in which leaders and pastors can't come together as equals that was way too long but. no that's okay that's what uh, that was good to hear that uh, they weren't necessarily ready but it's the it's the conversation about legacy and future that congregations need to have to see if we stay on the trajectory we were on uh, where does that lead us and what new trajectory might god have for us if we partner together in the spirit and so I want to go back down to something you said and turn back to you. You said earlier that that recognizing it as a circuit visitor that if this is going to happen, it needs to be us, the congregations and leaders who are right here in the circuit who take the initiative to make it happen. And, and that is to make a new start take place. So tell us where you're at now. I, I believe you were just installed as the pastor of 
of both congregations. Is that right? And then uh, where is this moving forward? There's actually, as I understand it, going to be a, a new congregation, a new name, a new vision, a new mission. And uh, what's your process looking ahead, Tom? Yeah, there's a number of models out there as far as emerging churches. Uh, the typical model is you've got a smaller church and a, a larger one. And uh, the smaller church kind of gets absorbed into the larger. And what ends up happening then is, is maybe that uh, the location, the facilities, the smallers, it just adopts the DNA, the staffing, the ministries of the larger and becomes a satellite and extension of this larger church. That's the more common model. But here in Bellevue, we've got churches about the same age, about the same size, dealing with the same issues here. And we wanted to make sure, and this is so important in our situation, we didn't want to end up with a winner and a loser. And how do you accomplish that? In that model, what ends up happening is it's an acquisition. And this one just kind of basically, it's gone. Uh, sometimes another model is a church kind of, is again absorbed in this church. There's a they change their name, but uh, it still kind of remains itself. And and we saw that could create winners and losers. And and we want to avoid that if at all possible. So the model we're taking is both congregations are going to uh, this is our plan dissolve at the same time, and a new congregation is going to be stood up. And so there's, if you want to say, a death on both parts and a new birth on both parts, where, uh, again, no winners, no losers here. Uh, if you want to say, we both lose and we both win. Uh, so reminds me of the words of Jesus, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Mm -hmm. and, and in this case rather than trying to hang on to the history of the past, letting that die so that something new can fruit out of it for both congregations. Yeah, and that's so important. So, uh, Michael, what we're doing right now is we're examining all of our ministries. We've kind of divided up into to focal areas here. And when it comes to worship, church has been around 60 plus years. Each one of them has distinct traditions and histories about how they've done it. Uh, and so we're evaluating both of those who's, you know, did you do some things that are better? Did you do some things that are better? But this is a great opportunity. We're also saying, are there some new things, best practices from outside that we can adopt to make it new? And that's a rare opportunity where a congregation will actually invite new ideas in. And we figured that we're not going to get a chance like this again. So now is the time to do it uh, towards the creation of that, that new congregation. Everything, we're, we're not jettisoning everything, but we're open to everything right open now. Open to everything. That's fantastic. So you're at the point where you're starting, your leaders are working on the, what this new congregation is going to be and the structure of it and the, and the documentation for it, all your governing documents. Um, you're also working on worship. What's the worship of this new community going to look like? Um, as I understand it, you've decided uh, for now to worship in the Pilgrim building. Is that right? Yeah. Um, President Paul sent out a letter to uh, both congregations, leaders and members. And, and what he said was really helpful. He hit on an item in the agreement of this merger. 
it was said, we would move down and use Pilgrim's facilities as our, our campus. And we'd consider Christ the King the status of that down the road. So Pilgrim was able to hold on to something very familiar, their building, their, their location. Christ the King was able to hold on to their pastor and bring that down. Both, see, both are being able to bring something familiar to them, so it's not a complete loss for either one of them. Uh, and moving forward that way. Uh, but so here's one of the things that we're doing right now, a focus, building community. We've got to build relationships, you know, particularly coming off of COVID, where not only trying to build community within the two congregations, but there's been a, a fracturing of community within each congregation themselves. So we're trying to get people together and the people together and uh, the ways as we we're drawing up that happens, of course, is in worship. So what kind of worship form are we gonna try to settle on? That's one of the first things that we're gonna do. Community happens in worship, receiving God's gifts. Uh, what kind of Christian education format are we gonna use? Community happens when we gather around God's word and study it uh, and apply it to our lives. Fellowship, we've got a lot of activities going on right then. Those were our primary focuses right now with community. And once we get this community, then we're gonna start talking about governance, mission and vision, what we're gonna do with our property and resources. But those are decisions that we need to make together. Uh, and so we're trying to get this together right now and then look at those issues. I really appreciate that, the patience with which you're approaching this uh, to bring and the folks and the leaders of these congregations along so that when you get to that point, you're ready to talk vision and mission. Uh, everybody's together, one community doing it together. Uh, we want to take some time for questions and comments from those who are on the call. I know there's a lot of folks out there who are connected to congregations very much like this, who might be in that uh, small to mid-sized range of a congregation, but have seen some decline and are wondering how long their resources are going to last. Uh, this is a, a neat way to think about new ministry and new start. So if anyone out there would like to ask a question or has a comment or a thought you want to share, uh, please just, all you have to do is open up your chat box and put a question mark in it. I'll be able to see who put the question mark in there and I'll call on you and you can unmute yourself and share whatever you'd like to share. All right. While they are thinking about their thoughts, comments, and questions, one more thing for you, uh, John. And that is, I know that Pilgrim Lutheran about a year ago uh, or so received a catalyst grant from the district for its preschool. Uh, tell us anything you know about that. Uh, what's that being used for? Um, tell us about Pilgrim's preschool. Yeah, uh, I, I've only been at Pilgrim for about three months now, but I did ask some of the leaders there. The request generated from some, um, some thoughts from uh, the parents of preschool kids they really enjoyed uh, the care, the upbringing that uh, they've been receiving at the preschool and wanted to see the Pilgrim uh, preschool program, if you wanna say expand and, and dive down to offer things for the younger kids. I think up to this point it was third and four-year-olds and five-year-olds. And so based on the, the request of the parents, uh, the Pilgrim Pil uh, preschool uh, went into the toddler area that meant that they had to revise some 
uh, of the facilities. There was new plumbing that had to go in, flooring, uh, additional staffing, uh, just getting a space ready for those kids. And uh, based on the Catalyst Grant, they were able to do that. It's allowed them to, again, uh, expand the, the, the age group, which makes it more uh, accessible more for more families. And, and what's great is, is you get them at toddlers and they tend to stick with the preschool through those years. And so you get more time with the kids to introduce them to Jesus and build those relationships with the families. Yeah, thanks, John. I appreciate that. So that was a district catalyst grant. And if I remember correctly, this is somewhere around $15,000, $16,000. Is that ring a bell or do you know how much? I'm not sure, but that sounds right. Yeah. So what a, what a great grant and coming right at the start of COVID um, gave time for that renovation and, and now it's starting to bear fruit. So that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. the preschool at Pilgrim there was able to uh, stay in business. There was a short interruption, but they stayed in business through COVID. And uh, again, the ministry that they did was wonderful. Fantastic. I see that Randy's got a question for us. Uh, go ahead and unmute yourself and, or comment and let us know. Yeah, I was, I was wondering in, in that process of looking at the two congregations, do you have any hints yet as to what those uh, new ministry opportunities might be and how that might help you uh, reach out into the community? Yeah, Randy, um, I've been giving that some thought. Uh, and here's one of the things that is kind of... It just keeps bouncing around in my head. When we began these conversations with Pilgrim, uh, President Paul was able to stop by and uh, a thought he shared. He said, what people want now more than what they need now, more than any other is, is relationships. And so thinking whatever outreach we do has to be relationship oriented. And of course, in my mind, it's not only relationships, that's not a one and done thing. Relationships mean frequent intersections with people's lives, sustain those over a long, that's, that's how you build relationships. So that's one of the things that I'm gonna be advocating is the congregation kind of figures out what they're going to do. They're already, they, they know that they've got to do something. We've, we're merging for a purpose. Um, I'm going to help them kind of establish some criteria as they consider ideas. Relationships going to be a big thing. Randy, here's where I come from too. When we're talking outreach, I want to move from just the possibility of sharing the gospel. I want to find ministries where the, it's the probability of sharing that. Uh, I don't see the church as an extension of the United Way. We've got a unique mission. No one else is doing it. And it's all gospel. So we've got to find a way of the probability of sharing the gospel in these relationships. The other thing that I, my thoughts are, Randy, is, is we're going to have to do some uh, demographic studies. I, I'm a big advocate of, of need-based outreach because those, the needs... Uh, open doors for relationships. And if you can find a need that puts you, again, those intersections with someone repeatedly, the relationships develop, the, probab the probability of sharing the gospel increases. So those are all things in my mind, Randy, that uh, I'm thinking about. And, and as the congregation members consider this, these are some, if I'm going to say, criteria that I'm going to lay in front of them. 
you need to check these boxes. Okay, is, is that helpful? Yeah, yeah, and and I guess probably uh, one of the challenges always is to uh, get you know you have a you have a gut feeling of what what's in the community and and, and the demographics, but yet uh, sometimes that needs to be confirmed. Uh, whether by study or or some very specific exercises and and uh, you know that that's probably where you know your leadership will um, be especially key in in setting that direction uh, from from some of the knowns yeah and one of the ways i'm looking at the, everything here with this merging we have been very intentional about including people in the process that it's not coming down from uh, myself or just a few at the top, that everyone is engaged in approaching uh, our mission in the same way. I yeah, can, that gives some ownership. Yeah, I can influence it. I can establish some criteria, but they're, they're gonna have to generate and own it themselves. Yeah. Love that, John. I so appreciate you sharing that one, the importance of relationship to the importance of involving everyone on the congregational level and being part of establishing that new mission. I know years ago when you and I talked about this, one of the visions you had, and this is before, this was when it was still a dream, uh, was that by letting go of one or both of these facilities that your churches had, it would give you the opportunity to move closer to where the growing edge of the community is in, in Bellevue, or uh, maintaining one of the facilities uh, just the resources from the sale of the other could allow you to establish a second congregation closer to the population growth area. And so proximity is is huge too. There's um, the intersection that's going to take place that allows the relationships to build has a lot to do with proximity and is your ministry happening where the people are. And, um, and so, but I like the fact that even though you had that idea uh, four years ago or so when we talked, that it's not something you're forcing on the congregation you want to let the congregation grow into that and come up with, well, what's our idea? Help them decide, what are we going to do with this facility at Christ the King uh, once we've reestablished ourselves as a new congregation? Uh, how are we going to use that to further the mission? And mm -hmm. such a great a great process uh, to go through the congregation, thinking through and praying through those things. Mm -hmm. Any other thoughts and questions before we uh, close this topic and, and just highlight a couple of district grant opportunities? I do want to share briefly, Randy, thanks for asking. Um, something that came about from these two churches coming together, uh, Marty Sippy is a member of Christ the King, and he and I are uh, exploring whether music lessons, guitar lessons can lead to fellowship and that can lead to connection with congregations. So uh, Marty and I are now working with All Saints Lutheran and King of Kings and Renton and St. Luke's in Federal Way. So we're exploring this. Uh, it's important for me to go away. So this initiative uh, of Marty and me doesn't require time or money or approval from anybody at the new church. But I want to make the point that this um, initiative would not have happened if the two churches hadn't come together. And I'm hoping that to create a report that'll be available to district staff around the country. And I think there's potential for using musicians to teach in public schools and you know, provide free music lessons. 
uh, that'll create connections for churches. So Thanks. it wasn't very long, but it's a huge, exciting, wonderful thing uh, that's possible because these two churches came together. And new ideas are starting to, to blossom. People are open to these new ideas because of that togetherness. Yeah, it's the great thing about working together. And really that's the emphasis of the district offices. One is they wanna see congregations working together because uh, leaders do their best work doing it together and when it's close to the ground. And so we wanna encourage others to be doing that from the Now Start Cultivator perspective. Uh, that's really why Now Start exists. And if you're on this call today, that means you're a part of Now Start. It's, it's not a club, it's not a official 501c3 organization, it's a network and a network is just people. So everybody who's connected to the network is a part of it. And maybe you've been on more of these calls than others. And that just puts you closer to the center of the network. And so consider yourself a Now Start Networker and a part of that. I, I do want to highlight we have at least one other uh, cultivator on the call right now. And that's uh, Garrett Knudsen, who's over in the Puyallup area. And so feel free to reach out to Garrett if there's anything you need and you want to seek some more resources, you find the phone numbers and emails for our other cultivators on the Now Start website. Feel free to reach out to any of them for resources or connection or just to talk through new start ideas. I want to share with you in just the one or two minutes we have uh, the district grant opportunities available to you. Pilgrim was benefiting from a, a significant district catalyst grant. Catalyst grants, the first one I'll tell you about, it's been around the longest and I'm going to pull up and share screen for you so you can see the guidelines for that Catalyst Grant. Catalyst Grants uh, receive letters of inquiry now through February 1st. After receiving letters of inquiry, those new starts that seem like they're a good fit for this will be asked to present a full grant application by May 1st and then the grants are awarded in July. Those grants can be upwards of tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, there have been ministries that have received 30,000 plus in grant money from Catalyst Grants. Uh, some key things with Catalyst Grants that you see listed on here. Uh, these need to support new ministry opportunities not currently in existence. So uh, with Pilgrim, it was a toddler ministry that they weren't currently doing. It's not for supporting ministries that are already going on. It's ministries that build bridges into a community of the Northwest District that's not being served. It's a ministry with a timeline for a catalyst grant. That's a three-year timeline maximum. There's got to be a plan for sustainability when the grant cycle is complete. Is that ministry going to keep going and what's that look like? It's got to show that it meets the district's end policies. And that's pretty simple. If it fosters the connection of the gospel, bridging into a new community, and if it partners with other ministries in doing so, you're pretty much hitting the targets on the district's end policies. And so that's, that's the catalyst grant. It comes from the kingdom funds. There is a limitation to this. One of the significant limitations is right here. It's not for ongoing operations or personnel or the continuing of existing process projects. So this is only for new things and you can't fund personnel with it. I would like to highlight a second kind of grant. This is the newest one. This one's called 
And I believe I need to stop the share and restart a new share. This one's called a Faith Communities Grant from the district. Like the Catalyst Grant, this can be tens of thousands of dollars. It has a longer timeline. You can have a timeline of up to five years. So this much the first year, this much the second year, this much the third year, and a dwindling timeline so that it leads you towards sustainability. Um, like the Catalyst Grant, it's for new ministry starts not currently in existence. Like the Catalyst Grant, they want to encourage applications that have some sort of regional partnership, leaders doing work together, congregations doing work together, um, working with other outside 501c3 organizations that maybe not a congregation, but maybe a, a Lutheran camp or something like that, or maybe a, a housing organization in the community. Uh, these kind of grants, the Faith and Community Grant requires that there's a plan for coaching that's been approved by the NOW District. And so right into that grant that we're going to have our leaders do coaching through this or that uh, so, that, so that they can be coached through an effective process of creating this new ministry. These grants have to have a way of reporting back to the district staff. So right into it that we're going to report to the district staff by putting this story on the, the district website, by sharing the story on the Now Start Network, uh, some way of doing that. Both the Catalyst Grant and this grant suggest ways that you might pay this forward. Maybe that paying forward is just what you've learned in the process that you're going to then share with other congregations of how you do this in some sort of a best practices setting. Uh, maybe that paying it forward is actually... Uh, the hope that you'll, that'll start another new ministry in the future. Maybe paying it back means you find a way to give back into the kingdom funds where this is coming from. Any of those could be opportunities for, for paying it back. The neat thing about the Faith Communities Grant is that you can fund, you can fund personnel with that grant. So if, if you're starting a new endeavor that needs people, a uh, faith communities grant is a way to do it. Maybe you need a new pastor or a missionary or a deaconess or uh, some other worker who's going to be a part of that. That can be written into the grant to support that and get it off the ground. Uh, but you do have to write in there, what's the plan for sustainability when the grant runs out? It can't just be a three-year project. Last grant I want to throw out at you, then I'll ask you, let you ask a question or two uh, before we close. The last grant is what's called a COVID Care for Communities Grant. And I'm gonna share screen on that one for you. The two timelines for the grants I just mentioned, the Faith Communities Grant and the Catalyst Grant are both letter of inquiry by February 1st, full application by May 1st, and then awarded in July. The COVID Care and Communities Grant, that COVID Care and Communities Grant, it's a little bit different. You can apply for this anytime during the year. It has a limit on the amount. It's up to $3,000, but it allows you to do something that's gonna bridge into community and help overcome a COVID-19 challenge. So if there's something you wanna do uh, that you wanna serve the community with, the COVID-19 Community Care Grant is a great grant to do it. It's for immediate action. So whatever you receive that grant for, you're going to put that money into action in the next six months. All of these grants are all on the district website, all the materials for them. You can go out there just to the district website. 
nowlcms.org, put in the search bar, district grants, and it'll these three will come up. Pick the one you want. All the information is there. Great. I've kept you a few minutes over, but I hope it was worthwhile. So thankful that you've been on the call. We're doing these Now Start Zooms every two months. So the next one's going to be the third Saturday of September. So go ahead and put that on your calendar if you'd like to. And we'll make sure that you're getting emails from Now Start so you know when that's coming up. So just watch for emails from us. But it looks like it's going to be the 18th of September for the next Now Start Zoom. And as there's other opportunities for in-person gatherings and conferences, uh, we'll let you know about those too. So with that, we're going to go ahead and close for the day. Thanks so much for being a part of it. John, thanks for being our guest today. Uh, we're going to pray for the future of those two ministries and what God's going to do through that. And we'll pray for you as well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are always about something new. Lord, you remind us through the words of Isaiah that we shouldn't just hang on to the past, but consider you are doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do we even perceive it? Uh, Lord, after those words from Isaiah 43, help us to be looking with your eyes and to perceive the new things that are springing up among us. We pray for this new thing springing up between Pilgrim Lutheran and Christ the King Lutheran. As John said, they are just working the process, taking it one step at a time and not sure where it's going to go. But we know, Lord, if they're following you, it's going to reach new people uh, with your truth. And so we pray that you'd be with them, be with John as he leads with patience and kindness and draws people together into a new vision for what you're doing with those two congregations. And so, Lord, uh, bring them together, make them one. And Lord, let that oneness uh, be an opportunity for multiplying mission for you. Thanks for everyone on the call. Uh, be with their respective ministries as well. And thanks for the opportunities we have to gather together and support new ministry in the Northwest District. So bless the work we do today in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being with us, everybody. Have a great day. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday. You too. You just listened to the Now Leading Podcast, hosted by the Northwest District LCMS. Leadership conversations from a Lutheran point of view for Christian leaders of all kinds. Take a moment after this podcast. And with everything you've just heard in mind, consider at least one action you will take. Then go and make it happen.